time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Greetings, my friends. How are you today? And welcome to the financial physician, Lou Scatigna here, certified financial planner, and your money doctor each and every Sunday or anytime at the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Great to be back live with you after being away last week on vacation. Had a wonderful cruise vacation with my wife, Susan, um, our first cruise in three years. And, and we're avid cruisers. Uh, we've lost count, but I, I think it's somewhere around 50 cruises we've been on. So like, it's been kind of like withdrawal the last three years. Uh, of not going on cruises, and uh, uh, lately we've had this tradition of going on a Christmas cruise. Uh, again, just me and my wife. You know, we leave the week before Christmas or two weeks before Christmas. Uh, the ship is wonderfully decorated, and it's kind of really weird, like, you know, sitting by the pool at 85 degrees listening to Christmas carols. Really kind of weird. Uh, but uh, we had a great time. The weather was perfect. Came back with a nice uh, winter tan. Uh, so I could show up at the Christmas holiday events looking really nice and, and tanned. Uh, so uh, anyway, I had a great time. Great to be back live with you. I always miss uh, uh, being here on Sunday mornings or anytime at the podcast to talk about money, markets, and politics. So uh, how you doing, Paul? Doing good, Lou. Good right. to have you back. Yeah, you miss me, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, good job last week putting the show together for me. Uh, I did listen to parts of it. Uh, I was uh, in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, I believe. No, actually, I was in Key West. And uh, I was eating my breakfast, and uh, I was listening to the show over the internet. So it just goes to show, you could listen live to this program no matter where you are, including in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico or the Mediterranean. All you need is an internet connection. And as poor as the internet connection was on the ship I was on, uh, I was able to listen to the show. So if you want to listen to the show live, no matter where you are in the world, as long as you have an internet connection, go to thefinancialphysician.com where we have the, the link to the live feed of the program from the station. So you can listen to it live. You can listen to it on the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Or if you are in the Jersey Shore area, you can listen to us right here around 92.7 uh, WOBM. So, you know, two weeks go by. It's kind of like a lifetime because so much happens uh, in, in one week, let alone two weeks. Uh, so I got home last night. Now I promised myself that during the week I would spend an hour each day doing research and, you know, save some, uh, articles that I wanted to comment on today. And I did none of that. <laughs> I did none of it. Uh, I laid by the pool. Uh, I ate and I drank and I, uh, enjoyed myself and didn't think anything about this program, uh, until yesterday. I shouldn't say that. I did some work. Yeah, I, and I did keep abreast of what was happening, you know, in the world while I was gone. Uh, but I tend to try to check out because my life is so absorbed with information and news and markets and everything else like that. I like to use vacation as a break from that. I try not to put the television on. 
Uh, we rarely have the television on in our stateroom. Uh, uh, I try to avoid reading a lot of the the information websites I read. Uh, it's kind of hard because I'm a junkie uh, and I need to know what's going on. But uh, but when I was coming home yesterday, I, I was in the airport. We had a two or three hour delay, and I said, I think I better start preparing for the show. Uh, at least start thinking about preparing. So we get home about five o'clock and. Uh, the last thing you want to do when you get home after a, a nine-day vacation is to go to work to prepare for a radio show the next morning at 7 a.m. But so uh, so is my life these days, and uh, I stayed up till 11 o'clock, and hopefully we have a good show for you because we are catching up uh, um, two weeks here. Also, a programming note, uh, the next two weeks uh, we will have no broadcast for you. All right, the next Sunday morning is Christmas. Uh, and, uh, of course, the station here, which is uh, the number one radio sh- station on the Jersey Shore, which is Christmas Central. When, when this show is not on, it's 24-7 Christmas from before Thanksgiving until Christmas night. Uh, so this is the only break that they have here in WOBM. So they'll be running Christmas music next week. But I will be doing um, – and also on New Year's Day, I won't be here. Not because I'm going to be up late drinking and I just can't get up because I don't do that. I don't do anything on New Year's Eve anymore. Uh, I'll probably be in bed by 930. Uh, but it's just it's just New Year's morning. I mean, who's going to be listening to the program at that time? So the next two weeks, there'll be no live broadcast here on 92.7. But what I'm going to have for you uh, is uh, a podcast each week. So if you're on our podcast list, uh, you'll get an email from us. Uh, saying that there's a new podcast available. Now, these are very, very important podcasts uh, where you're not going to be able to listen live. It's just going to be a podcast. It's not going to be structured. It's not going to have breaks in it. It's not going to be two hours long, most likely. Uh, It's going to be very arbitrary. And it's not going to be on Sunday morning. I'm not going to have it up at that time because Sunday morning is going to be Christmas next week and New Year's morning the next. So my thinking is that uh, the Monday after Christmas and the Monday after New Year's, I'll upload uh, a podcast. Now, typically at the end of the year, now most most uh, Christmases don't fall on a Sunday. You know, it only falls on Sunday once every seven years, right? Uh, so I usually do the show the week of Christmas, the week of New Year's. Uh, but once every seven years, when the holiday comes, we don't do the show. Uh, uh, what I usually do in those last two weeks, though, is the show that is the Christmas week is the year review. I review the financial markets. I review the political environment uh, for the year that's ending. And then the following week, the week of New Year's, I do my forecast for the coming year. The forecast of markets, the forecast on the economy, the forecast on politics in the country, uh, the forecast on geopolitics. And uh, over the years, I've been pretty good. Pretty good. I think this year, I I, I have to go back uh, and listen to the show from from last year. But I think we were pretty spot on this year uh, with what was going to happen with financial markets, with inflation and so forth. Uh, And uh, I have a a pretty intense forecast that I'm working on um, for 2023 that will be on the podcast probably the day after New Year's. Now, when we come back live, which is going to be January 8th, I'll do a quick review 
of, of 2022 and a quick forecast of 2023. But you're going to want to listen to the entire podcast um, because these are two of the most listened to shows that we have every year is the, the year end review and the forecast um, for the following year for what it's worth. You want to be part of our program today? 732-237-9626 is the call number. Let's start the program by talking about the Federal Reserve, uh, which is hell-bent on destroying the economy, destroying your job, destroying your ability to function, uh, to destroy financial markets, uh, to destroy your retirement, uh, uh, and to destroy America in general. That's what they're doing. And make no mistake about it, uh, I think the goal here is to wreck the U.S. economy. I mean, everything that's been happening with the Biden administration has been the opposite of what's good for America, right? From our health policies to our energy policies to our immigration policies to our foreign policies uh, to our election fraud that's now endemic. Uh, It's all to destroy America. So why not destroy the American economy next? They destroyed the energy markets. They destroyed the sovereignty of our country through open borders. And by the way, next week, when Title 42 ends, forget, open up the spigots. Uh, Welcome to America. Um, So why not ruin the economy? Ruin America. But let's just face it. You you can't ruin the American economy and the American markets without ruining the entire world economy. But see, the Federal Reserve believes that, in my opinion, that they could do policies that worked in the past. And that's simply not the case in 2022. You know, in 1980, Paul Volcker, then Federal Reserve chairman, in the face of similar inflation, and if we calculate the inflation the way they calculated it in the 1980, we have very similar inflation rates of about 16, 17, 18 percent. And if you recall, Paul Volcker raised interest rates to 18%. And he was successful in battling inflation. The problem is, at that point, we didn't have the budget deficits that we have now. We didn't have the $31 trillion in debt in 1980, 42 years ago, that we have today. So those old ways of managing inflation and managing uh, the demand and all that, they're playing from an old playbook. When nowadays it's totally different. A big problem with the inflation nowadays has nothing to do with interest rates. It has to do with supply. The Federal Reserve can raise interest rates to to 30%. It's not going to affect the supply of wheat or fertilizer or energy or coffee or what have you. And we're going to talk about food inflation, which is... uh, been really overlooked this week. I mean, the uh, producer price index came out this week, um, which is the prices that that, that companies pay for wholesale materials. Uh, And in it, uh, the numbers for vegetables and food were just, I had to look at it three times. I didn't think it was correct. We'll talk about that momentarily. But there's nothing that, uh, the price of eggs will not be affected by interest rates. The only thing interest rates are going to affect is demand for housing, which we're seeing that now. Because, again, they raise interest rates, mortgage rates go up, right? 
and it's pricing so many people out of the market now that the uh, the real estate market is freezing up. It affects your ability to, to afford to buy a car, demand for furniture, and things like that. So it can slow the economy down and slow demand down in certain areas. We're seeing uh, demand destruction in energy, which we'll talk about shortly, how uh, energy prices are coming down and what that really means. But the Federal Reserve did meet on uh, Wednesday, I believe, of this week, Wednesday or Thursday, and they announced that they're raising interest rates uh, 50 basis points. Now, a basis point is one one one-hundredth of a percent. So when you hear 50 basis points, it's one half of one percent. And that was widely expected. Because the Federal Reserve always forecasts this stuff. There's no surprises from the Federal Reserve. Markets can't handle surprises. So the Federal Reserve kind of warms up the market. They, they trot out different Fed governors, uh, and they say certain things that the market could pretty much price in exactly what they're going to do. But what they can't price in is the forecast for the future, what the Fed says after it, or what they say in their statement when they release uh, uh, the statement on the increase in interest rates. What are they seeing in the economy? What are they seeing in inflation? How much longer do they think they have to keep interest rates higher, continue to raise interest rates? Well, for the second time in two meetings, the Fed came out uh, hawkish. Hawkish means that tight money policy that they're hell-bent. And when I say they, it's only one guy. I mean, Jerome Powell, the most powerful man in the world, unelected, the head of the chairman of the Federal Reserve, what he wants, he gets. So he comes out and he, he comes out and says that he's going to hold rates higher for longer. And uh, that projections for economic growth, uh, employment and inflation, uh, that the Fed now expects a recession. So they're creating a recession. Now, you want to say, well, why would a central bank want to create recession? Because they're living the old playbook. The Volcker playbook that if we raise interest rates high enough, people won't have any money. Their money, their their stock portfolio will go down. Their house value will go down. They won't feel as rich, and they'll stop spending money. And again, that's true in certain areas of the economy. The whole housing market, which is twenty percent of the economy, yeah, that's being decimated right now. How would you like to be somebody who a year ago overpaid for a house? Right and paid fifty thousand over asking price. It wasn't that long ago, right? Even this spring, people were overbidding, and now you're underwater. Meaning your your mortgage is worth more than your house right now. And believe me, this is just the beginning of the downturn in real estate, especially if the Fed is hell bent on keeping interest rates higher for longer. So the Fed came out and basically said that, hey, wait a second. All this talk about a pivot, a pivot meaning that we're going to stop raising interest rates uh, and ultimately we're going to start lowering them uh, is not the way it's going to go. And that we are going to continue to raise interest rates. We're going to continue to destroy the housing market. We want more unemployment. You know, you have Americans, two-thirds of Americans. It keeps going up. It was 60% uh, were paycheck to paycheck a month or two ago. Now it's up to 64%. 
And the thing you got to listen to, if you're paycheck to paycheck, that means you have a job. What happens when you get laid off? Now it's what? It's unemployment check to unemployment check, which is a fraction of what the paycheck is in most cases. In every case, basically. So we're seeing interest rates on everything go up. We're seeing it on mortgages. We're seeing it on credit cards. You know, credit card rates never really did come down. Those 12 years that the Fed had zero interest rates, many people were still paying in the 20s. I was just looking at my American Express card. Now, I pretty much pay it off every month, but I'm having some renovations done in my house, so I've been using the card a lot. And I haven't been paying the whole thing off which I will be very shortly once I saw that I'm paying 29.99% interest on the balance. And I my credit is pristine. I mean, I basically don't owe any money to anybody. Uh, why am I paying 29.99% on credit card balance? Uh, it's insane. And I could afford to pay it off, but what about, you know, a poor middle-class family? Uh, who now are using credit cards to to offset these rising prices where their wages aren't keeping pace with the inflation rate. A lot of Americans are going to credit cards. They've decimated their savings, and now they're going to their credit cards. I mean, data shows that. And uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Data shows that there's a record amount of credit card debt being added every single month. And at the same time, uh, the savings rate is plummeting. Well, that makes sense. If everything's more expensive and two-thirds of Americans are paycheck to paycheck, I mean, it's not a magic wand. You just can't say, I'm bringing in 5000 a month, but I'm spending 6000 a month. There's no just magic wand that makes that happen. There's only one way that happens, is if you go deeper into debt. And unfortunately, the debt that's used is the highest interest debt, which is credit card debt. You are going to see in the year ahead, and I don't want to te- I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because my uh, my podcast uh, uh, the day after New Year's is going to have my incomplete forecast for next year. But you're going to see defaults on all kinds of debt by average American families. In 2023, you're going to see a level of bankruptcies uh, that I don't think we've ever seen, at least since the Great Depression, as people walk away from credit card debt, as people walk away from expensive, large auto payments. Lenders are expecting a tsunami of repossessions in the months to come. They're already starting to see it. The amount of Americans that are more than two to three months behind on, on their auto debt is skyrocketing. Skyrocketing. The amount of foreclosures on real estate we mentioned before. A lot of people are, are now underwater. Uh, I think I saw a stat about a half a million Americans that bought a house last year now owe more on their mortgage than the house is worth. Remember when the last time that happened? 2008, the Great Recession, or whatever you want to call it, uh, the crashing markets, the defaults of mortgage bonds. Well, that's all coming back here now, but it's coming back in spades. It's coming back exponentially larger 
than it was then. And meanwhile, the Fed is hell-bent on continuing to raise interest rates and will continue to make it harder and harder for the average American to make ends meet. Now, they're saying, well, you know, if we don't battle inflation, it's going to be hard for Americans to make ends meet. But the kind of medicine that they're using for this inflation will not bring down the prices that most of us spend most of our money on, which is food and groceries. Uh, so the the Fed uh, uh, is indicating that they're going to make um, more interest rate increases. The next meeting is February. Now, they, do they drop it to a quarter of a percent at that point? Well, a lot of it's going to depend on what financial markets do and what the economic numbers come out. So far, we're, start, we're starting to see uh, inflation trending lower. Not that we have deflation yet, but we're starting to see the the rate of increase of inflation, right? It was up to over 9%, the CPI. I think recently it's down to 6.7. Maybe that was a producer price index. But the, the rate of change is starting to go down. It's not accelerating. And that's the result of demand destruction. But the things that we're starting to see inflation moderate in, right, is things that we don't purchase every day. Whereas in groceries, inflation is picking up. And again, no matter how high they put interest rates, it won't affect the price of eggs. Because this is a result of supply issues. And I I think just people um, are not ready for the economic chaos that we're going to have in 2023. Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself because I have a, a forecast show uh, podcast that we're going to be doing in two weeks. But uh, the fact is, I think the average American family have no idea what they're up against. They think it's bad now. Let's take a look at vegetable prices. Now, the mainstream media, uh, they're trying to convince us and they're corrupt. We know that anything they say, you can't believe it. Um, they just don't report on things. They Whatever. But they're trying to make it sound like inflation no longer is going to be a problem. Biden's got this under control. But meanwhile, food prices are continuing to soar. And now it's starting to get stupid, scary. Vegetable prices increase a whopping 38% in November. Now, when I originally saw that number, I thought it was like a year-over-year change. That from this time last year, vegetable prices are up 38%. No, no, no. This is the rate of increase between November November and December. One month. A 38% increase in vegetables. And I got the the table right here from the government, the Bureau of Labor Statistics that puts this out. You can look up the numbers yourself. So you look at vegetables up 38.1% in one month, up a total of 80.6% over the past 12 months. Wow. And they're not, it's not going to get any better. Because the reason why prices are going up is because of supply issues, because of climate issues, 
because of shipping issues, because of disease. That is, I mean, everything that can go wrong in farming has gone wrong, and not in one country, worldwide. And I brought to your attention many times that we're, we're heading for a food crisis in this world. And even the U.N. says multiple famines are going to occur. Now, do I believe there's going to be famine in the United States? No. But do I believe there's going to be major food insecurity? Well, it's already here. And it's going to get a lot worse. I mean, 38% in a month? I mean, is that, is that even real? Is that even possible? But it is. It's, it's, it's on air thing. Believe me. It's there. You can see it yourself. Price of eggs shot up 26% last month. But that's nothing. The price of eggs in the last 12 months have gone up 244%. <laughs> Paul's looking at me like, really? I love my eggs in the morning. I don't care how much it goes up. I'm going to eat my eggs. But, you know, you go there and you look at the price of eggs, you're like $5 almost. Are you kidding me? Uh, it's ridiculous. And that has to do not with interest rates. has to do with the fact that we have the worst pandemic among chickens and turkeys worldwide that we've ever seen. There's that word again, huh? The P word. I mean, we've just had hundreds of millions of, of, of chickens and turkeys either dead from the virus or culled because all it takes, and these, these farmers say, we get one case. We've got to kill 80,000 chickens so it doesn't spread. So bird flu is, is the primary reason that eggs have become so expensive. Uh, so how is raising interest rates going to affect that? Now, of course, if the chickens that make the eggs are dying, uh, obviously the, uh, chicken meat is going to be scarce as well. And chicken, which was one of the most reasonably priced proteins, uh, now is skyrocketing as well. And boy, there's a, there's a br broad range of prices for chicken. I mean, you've got to be a strategic shopper now. You know, many people who never clip coupons or never look for sales uh, now are becoming uh, pretty efficient shoppers. Uh, you know, you could find uh, chicken thighs at ShopRite at the right time at 99 cents a pound. Or you can go to the same store or another store and you could see them at three forty nine a pound. So if you see them at 99 cents a pound, it's smart to buy as much as you could store and freeze uh, and, and, and do your shopping that way, assuming you have the money to do it. And that's the problem a lot of Americans have, is that if they want to take advantage of a sale, well, they have a limited budget. Although I'd like to buy, you know, six packs of chicken thighs at 99 cents a pound. Well, where am I going to get the money to do that and still pay for toilet paper? And these vegetables that went up 38% last month. But if you can, that's what you want to do. One of the best investments you can make right now. We talk investments on this program, right? One of the best investments you can make right now is a freezer. Those little box freezers are good or even just a standalone freezer you put in your garage. Forget putting your car in your garage. Let it, let it stay in the driveway and, and, and scrape the ice off. 
Buy two freezers. Put it in there. Well, a walk-in freezer would be even better. <laughs> they could really stock. And take advantage of sales and, and do it because you're going to see. And people are saying it. People in the industry you know, know better are saying that we are going to have scarcities of certain products next year. Uh, domestic uh, supplies of key crops like corn, soybeans, wheat are going to be tight next year because of problems with farming, with drought and everything else. Two of the largest wheat exporters in the world are projected to have very disappointing harvests in the months ahead. There's been flooding in Australia. They're the second largest wheat exporter. Argentina um, have a severe drought. Their wheat crops down by 40%. These are two big producers. So what does it all mean? The global food crisis that started in 2022 is going to intensify in 2023. And uh, when you see vegetables now, yeah, I guess we could buy canned vegetables. But when you see vegetables up 38% in a month, how's that compared to your CD rate? <laughs> how's that compared to your, your stock returns this year? Wouldn't you rather have your money in food that's appreciating? Now, you're not going to sell it for a profit, but you're going to save that future price increase. And the Federal Reserve is raising rates into this, which only makes it harder for for average Americans to afford to pay for anything. At the same time, it destroys the economy, which means that Americans that are struggling already may be losing their jobs. And it's not just the middle class that's going to get hurt by this. It was announced, we're seeing, uh, for major corporations, we're seeing uh, mass layoffs. And now they're starting to hit Wall Street. Once it starts to hit Wall Street, now we're really talking, right? Goldman Sachs is laying off as many as 4,000 employees. Wow. You know, it used to be that companies would never announce layoffs between, you know, before Thanksgiving and Christmas. They'd wait till afterwards because the optics weren't so good. There's no loyalty anymore. Corporations don't care. Citigroup has announced uh, huge cutbacks as well. And, and we're going to see this across the board. Because of the Federal Reserve's policies. Uh, and, and damn the middle class, damn people who lose their job. But we got to get this inflation under control. Also, what does it mean for the United States? Like I said before, when Volcker raised interest rates, what do we have? I, I don't know what the exact figure is, but what, $2 billion in debt in 1980? Or $2 trillion, I should say. Maybe it was even lower than that. So an increase in interest rates versus our national debt wasn't as big a deal. You get $31 trillion in debt and you raise interest rates five points. You're talking about increasing our debt service $1.5 trillion a year. It's almost like we're purposely committing economic suicide. It really does. Um... And the problem we have now, too, is that, you know, we relied on on foreign governments to buy our debt and to finance our deficit. Well, it came out this week that the two largest foreign holders of U.S. debt dumped U.S. Treasuries in October. 
uh, to the tune of $111.5 billion were sold by China and Japan. Now, if they're selling debt, that means they're not buying it, right? And we're going to have $1.5 trillion deficit again this year and probably $2 trillion next year and eventually $5 trillion. Well, the only way to raise that money is to issuing bonds, treasury bonds. Who's going to buy them? You know the answer to that question. It's going to be the Federal Reserve. They're going to start printing money and they're going to buy the bonds again, fueling the next inflation wave. And the reason why is because they have no choice. If nobody else is going to buy these bonds, the buyer of last resort has to be the central bank. Now, China is dumping bonds for a variety of reasons, but uh, they saw what the United States did to Russia. You see how we locked up all their dollar-denominated assets once we had a political issue with them? Well, China's saying to themselves, wait a second, you know, uh, our relations with the United States is not so good, and how is it going to be if we invade Taiwan? Are they going to freeze all of our dollar assets? Well, why should we have any dollar assets then? So uh, we're seeing uh, disinvestment. Not only are they not buying new U.S. treasuries that we need to issue to finance our deficit, they're dumping the existing ones that they have. Now, if the Fed doesn't come in and buy it, interest rates have to just continue to go up until it attracts capital. And we're starting to see some funds being, uh, some money being attracted into the U.S. Treasury market. But it's not by foreign governments, by, by individuals and investors who have been yield-starved. I mean, right now, you, you can go out uh, and buy a one-year treasury bond, a treasury bill, for 4.62%. And that seems very attractive to people who have been looking at sub-1% yields for a long, long time. But my guess is that you're going to be able to get these yields much higher. But again, every every 1% increase in interest rates... Uh, is $310 billion in interest to the country that's broke already. So how did financial markets react to the Fed, not only increasing interest rates again a half a point, uh, but being pretty hawkish in in going forward? Well, for the week, uh, we had pretty volatile markets the last two days of of the week. When I say volatile, I mean down. Um, The beginning of the week was hopeful that the Fed would, if not pivot, uh, say more in the fact that we're going to see what the data says and before we decide what we're going to do. But no, they came out and said, no, you know, we're raising interest rates and we're going to, we're hell bent on continuing in 2023. Regardless of what the economy does, regardless of what the market does, regardless of how much pain we inflict on the American people. So when that news came out, uh, the markets uh, went south pretty quick. On Thursday, uh, the Dow was down uh, 764 points. Friday, down another 282 points. So in two days after the Fed meeting, uh, the Dow gave back over 1,000 points. R- rising interest rates are not good for corporate earnings. Again, if everything's more expensive for you to finance, whether you're financing a building uh, a manufacturing facility, 
uh, or you're financing the purchase of consumer goods like a car or a new sofa or what have you, if those costs go up, you're going to buy less. And that means corporate profits will be affected. Corporate profits go down, earnings go down, price-to-earnings ratios are affected. You get the drift. Markets go down. So for the week, again, after a good beginning of the week, they gave back all the profits plus some. The Dow was down 1.66% for the week, down 9.41% for the year. Now I was looking at the five-year average of the Dow. Now you got to realize that the markets have been up for the last, up until this year, right? Markets have been up pretty big, or so you would think. Uh, with a decline of 9.41% for the year, the Dow five-year average is 5.96%. The S&P 500 closed down 2.08%, down 19.17% for the year, 10 percentage points more than the Dow. And I've told you in the past the reason why the Dow has held up more. It's 30 industrial stocks, of which a number of them are energy stocks that have done very well, the Exxon Mobiles of the world and the Chevrons and so forth. But once you get into a broader index, you're seeing bigger losses. So when we go to the S&P 500, down 19.17% for the year. You go to the NASDAQ, the technology stocks, down 2.72% for the week, down 31.57% for the year. So the more speculative you get in the market, the bigger the losses are. And I'm seeing some speculative stocks of good companies uh, down 90%. I, I can't believe some of the losses in my own portfolio. I, I just can't believe the, the sell-off in some stocks that we've seen. So, uh, you know, the next two weeks, we'll see what happens. You know, I don't expect, well, who knows these days. Uh, but, you know, you could have some wild movement typically when you enter the holiday weeks uh, that you have uh, diminished trading. Uh, most institutions have squared off their books for the year. Uh, and um, you kind of have low volume, small movement markets. I mean, we only have eight days, eight trading days left in the year. Actually, nine trading days um, left in the year. Uh, so I don't expect to see drastic changes to these numbers. If anything, I probably expect a little more downside over the next two weeks. Now, interestingly enough, the bond market doesn't believe the Fed. The bond market, the 10-year yield has actually gone down the last few weeks. If you recall, the 10-year the yield had yielded as much, I think, as 4.25% at one point a couple of months ago. It's down to 3.49. Well, why would it be going down? Because the bond market doesn't believe that the Fed's going to continue to raise interest rates because the bond market believes we're entering a severe recession and that the Fed is going to get spooked. Either the, the, the equity markets are going to crash or the economy is going to crash so hard that the Fed even though they say they're diligent in raising interest rates, they're not going to do it. But uh, we have inversion of the yield curve, meaning short-term debt is yielding higher than longer-term debt. The two-year, uh, there's a, they always do the comparison of the two-year bond versus the 10-year bond. Now, the, you know, usually the 10-year would yield higher than the two-year, right? 
Right now, the 10-year is 3.49, and the two-year is 4.18. So the two-year is 67 basis points, or almost 70%, uh, 0.70% higher than longer-term debt. That's called inverted yield curve, and it almost always portends a recession. 30-year mortgage rates uh, average 6.60% for the week. Uh, certainly lower than it was when it was over 7, but still at least twice what it was early this year. Now, I'm looking at the 10-year yield. If the 10-year yield continues to go down, uh, we will see mortgage rates to go down, regardless of what the Federal Reserve does. And uh, we're seeing uh, energy prices which is the key here to inflation, uh, not food inflation, namely groceries that we talked about earlier, but other things. Uh, we're seeing energy prices drop. I've been gone for a week, uh, nine days. This morning, I drove by the Wawa and I couldn't believe it. It was 3.37 a gallon. I mean, it's fallen precipitously, which will have a positive inf- uh, effect on inflation of certain things because energy goes into everything. So this is a good development. And that's why I'm surprised that the Federal Reserve was still very hawkish, given that energy prices have come down quite a bit. And I do believe we'll we'll continue to see uh, the overall CPI and PPI continue to decline um, until such time as um, the Fed starts going the other way with interest rates again and quantitative easing, which they're going to do sometime in 2023. They're going to reverse themselves. Either there's going to be market or economic chaos, uh, and they're going to have to reverse themselves. Once they do, you're going to see uh, the real inflation hit later in 2023 and into 2024. But we may even see a deflationary period first, which will cause the Fed to use that term again, pivot. Gold, uh, right around $1,800 an ounce. Uh, silver, $23.21 an ounce. Uh, you know, it wasn't long ago that silver was $17. So silver and gold um, uh, have been going up. But if you look at the real market, the physical market, you can't buy a, a one-ounce gold coin for less than $2,037, a premium of $244 an ounce, which is something that I can't recall uh, that high a premium in gold. 13.6%. Usually it's about 5 or 6%. Silver, the premium is even ridiculous. Uh, silver's trading in the spot market at 23.21 an ounce. You can't buy a one ounce Silver American Eagle if you can get it for less than $42. That's like a $19 premium. That, that's, that's 82%. You're paying 82% more than the spot price to get a real ounce of metal. That's got to tell you a lot. Bitcoin struggling right around 17,000, 16,690 last I looked. You know, it was 52,000 in January. <laughs> That's, yeah, Paul's shaking his head. I know I own some. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to tell me. Uh, that's only down 68%. Binance, which is the other Bitcoin out there, uh, is trading at 238. It was 539 earlier this year. They're down 50%. Yeah, all you crypto maniacs out there, they were trying to tell me that crypto is the future, gold was dead, uh, uh, you got to own your crypto. How you feeling, you guys? Really, how you feeling? So very, very tough times out there from inflation to a rising interest rate environment, increasing uh, uh, loss of jobs, uh, crazy, crazy uh, inflation in food and groceries. 
2023 is going to be a very difficult time for the average American family. All right, let's take a break. 732-237-9626 is the call number. 732-237-9626. My name is Luz Katekna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Brick Township has plenty to offer in November and December to celebrate this holiday season. Go grab all your Thanksgiving goodies at the Farmer's Market on Saturday, November 19th from 8.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. at Windward Beach Park. The annual tree lighting will take place on Wednesday, November 30th at 5.30 p.m. at Town Hall, located at 401 Chambers Bridge Road. Also join them for the menorah lighting on Monday, December 19th at 5.30 p.m. For more info, go to Brick Township Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless market train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate for help with any of your real estate needs as well as any information on a career in real estate call my brother mark skatigna at coldwell banker flanagan realty his number is 732-657-6200 that's 732-657-6200 mark skatigna coldwell banker flanagan realty give him a call you'll be happy you did I'm Luz Katigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation, professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health, and most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Service to afford Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right. If you miss any of our program, I know we're on early here. We're on 7 a.m. live here on 92.7 WOBM. But if you don't get up that early or you go to church uh, or you're just not in the mood to listen to uh, the most optimistic stuff I talk about here on this program on Sunday mornings, then you can listen at the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com, where Paul has it up right after the show's over. So the entire two-hour program is available to you. Just go to thefinancialphysician.com, and, and you can listen to the program. Now, programming note, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is that the next two weeks are Christmas and New Year's on Sunday mornings. 
So those two two weeks, I'm not going to have a, a broadcast of the program. Uh, obviously, the station will be playing Christmas music on Christmas morning, and nobody will be listening uh, on New Year's morning at 7 a.m. So uh, we're not going to have a, a broadcast program. But I am going to have a podcast the next two weeks. So still join the podcast. Still go to thefinancialphysician.com. Um, uh, the day after Christmas, uh, I should have my uh, review of 2022 financial markets and so forth. Uh, we'll have another week of trading in the market, so we'll be pretty close to knowing what the market uh, final numbers are going to look like. We're going to review the economy. We're going to review politics, uh, the state of culture in the United States and, and so forth. Uh, uh, that'll be available uh, the day after Christmas is what I'm shooting for. Uh, but the only way you'll know about it uh, is if you frequently check um, my blog uh, uh, at thefinancialphysician.com or if you go to thefinancialphysician.com, give us your email address and be part of uh, uh, our email family where we'll just let you know. The podcast is now up and there'll be a link there and you can go right to it uh, and then listen to it at that time. Uh, and many of you have uh, become uh, on our email list, so you're you, you, you notified when things like that happen. We're not going to market anything to you or share your information or anything like that. We just let you know when we update the website. So the next two weeks, we will have a podcast, but we will not have a regular radio program. So today's our last live program until January 8th. And to tell you, tell you the truth, I, I know when I come back, I'm going to say that I, I just... God, I was dying to come on the air. Uh, it, it's going to be nice uh, having a couple of Sundays off and a couple of Saturdays of preparation and so forth. Uh, I, I can't see myself preparing for this radio show on Christmas Eve. I think I'd rather be with my family. <laughs> so, and I think Christmas morning at 7 a.m., I, I think I'd rather be with my family uh, than with you. I love being with you every Sunday, but not on Christmas morning and not on uh, New Year's morning. Anyway, uh, 732-237-9626 is our call number if you want to be be part of the program. You have a financial question or a comment or something you could add to our program. We always love our audience participation. Now, my friends and family uh, and my wife like to text me during the show and make comments uh, on the show. Uh, And my assistant, Evelyn, just sent me a text. And she writes to me here, uh, make sure you uh, in- let your listeners know uh, the suicide hotline number, uh, given the stuff that you're talking about on this program. So I looked it up. I looked up the suicide hotline number. Paul, you know what the hotline number is? Offhand, no. You, n- you never needed it? No, I've n- <laughs> never needed it. Uh, maybe next year you may. So you may want to write this down. I'll okay. All right. The suicide hotline number is 988. I never do that, that it's just 988. Uh, 988 has been designated as the new three-digit dialing code that will route callers to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Uh, So if you feel that, you know, you're too depressed after listening to the show uh, and you're feeling a little down and starting to get serious, uh, then call 988. Now, I, I shouldn't make light of that. It's a very serious thing. I mean, a lot of Americans now, especially a lot of young Americans, uh, grappling with, with suicide and stuff like that. It's just terrible. Uh, you know, people are dealing with a lot of stuff right now. You know, we've come through the COVID thing that they don't seem to want to let go. We'll talk about that in the second hour. Um, it's one thing after the other. And and, and Americans struggling. Uh, and, and, and nothing makes you more depressed, I believe, than struggling to put food on the table for your family. 
I mean, I, I can't think of anything worse than that uh, and the stresses that that, that 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 could bring you, and especially during the holidays. Uh, here's an article. The Biden economy. Many Americans are cutting back this year for the holidays. Thanks to Joe Biden, inflation is off the charts and Americans are feeling it. And Americans are cutting back due to the Biden economy. The gift that no one wants, but everyone is getting this year, inflation. The gift of inflation brought to you by the Biden administration. Uh, So what people are doing is uh, people obviously are cutting back. A recent Harris poll quantified that. They said that... um, Inflation surged to a 40-year high this year. Wages struggled to keep up. Americans are cutting back on their holiday spending as a result. 60% of respondents said they plan to buy fewer gifts and to purchase gifts for fewer people. A similar percentage are cutting back on holiday travel. One-third of Americans have decided to skip gift-giving altogether due to the cost. It's pretty grinchy. Pretty scroogey. I mean, you could buy something for somebody. It doesn't have to be expensive. Uh, and we saw that with Thanksgiving as well, because of inflation of Thanksgiving. But it's not about the gifts, right? It's about being together with our families. Uh, another concern that we have with this economy, and it's been going on for a while now. It's, it's nothing new, but again, something I expect to see more and more of uh, next year and in the year to come. Um, is uh, homelessness, uh, the worst homelessness crisis that we've ever seen in the history of our country. I mean, now, if you live in a major city, you've noticed the 10 cities that are popping up. I mean, you go to Los Angeles, you wouldn't believe it, driving around the main city there. Uh, New York City now has 10 cities popping up all over the place. Uh, as we see pe- more and more people uh, becoming homeless. And uh, A, it's terrible for these people that are homeless, don't get me wrong, but it's affecting the quality of life in big cities uh, with all these people living on the streets. And uh, if it's bad now, how is it going to be when economic conditions deteriorate even further? You know, we really haven't seen the major layoffs yet. We haven't seen the major foreclosures. I mean, what's going to happen when people lose their homes uh, because they took on a mortgage that was just too big for them? And now the, uh, one of the spouses, if not both, have lost their jobs. You know, if you, if you get foreclosed on, think about it. You know, you got a family, say you have a family of four, and you get foreclosed on. Where are you going to go? If you get a foreclosure, what do you think your credit rating is like? What is the first thing that somebody wants to rent an apart- apartment to you? They want you, they make you sign something so they can check your credit rating, right? So your credit rating is going to be in the gutter. You just lost your home through foreclosure. Why would I rent my property to you? That's, that's a crisis. I mean, that's really a crisis for a family. And, uh, you know, you got the price of, of rentals gone up big time, the, the price of affording a house going up big time with interest rates going up. Most middle class families can't afford to pay $2,000 or more for housing each month. And that's if you have a job. 
You take a, a place like uh, Portland, Oregon, where housing prices have soared so much uh, that homelessness is spreading like wildfire. People just can't afford the house or, or, or pro- uh, rental property. The mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, says there are nearly 800. They don't call them homeless camps no more. They call it, what do they call it? Unsanctioned encampments. There's that word smithing or welling stuff you go. An unsanctioned encampment. It's not a homeless tent city. 800 of them. Could you imagine what that was? I can't even imagine 800 camps in one city. And that's why half of Oregon, I think, wants to secede to Idaho or something like that. Um, Washington, D.C. doesn't have as many, uh, quote-unquote, unsanctioned encampments as Portland does. But the New York Post is reporting that the number of tent cities in the capital of our nation has grown to 120. Honey, let's take the kids to uh, D.C. for a trip. Um, just two blocks from the White House as a camp. What does that tell you? You know, seeing homeless people in tents, uh, it's been a long time. We haven't never seen it to the extent that we're seeing it now. And, uh, of course, a lot of people that are living in these homeless camps are, are drug addicts. They're, they're, they're mentally ill. Uh, the criminals. Uh, it's dangerous life living on the street. In um, homeless shelters in New York City right now, there's 62,000 people there right now. 62,000. 13,000 which are, I'll say, uh, illegal aliens. Uh, the proper term these days is migrants. You're a migrant. Not a criminal busting. Uh, I was telling my wife the other day, you're hearing all these stories now about immigration, right? Because it's just out of control. I mean, it's not even immigration. Immigration is when you go through a process. It's invasion. Uh, and you got, you know, uh, Texas and, and, and Arizona doing their own walls. And, uh, and then, of course, the Biden administration is suing them because they're going on government property. Uh, and you can't do that uh, uh, to deal with this. But, you know. I said, I said to my wife, I said, do you imagine trying to illegally immigrate into East Germany? I think there would be, I think you'd be repelled, probably by a bullet. Uh, same as trying to leave East Germany, <laughs> either way. Uh, but think about the United States of America. We just let them come in. But nowadays, uh, uh, these Republican governors are saying, okay. Let them in. We're going to ship them to Denver. We're going to ship them to New York. We're going to ship them to Washington, D.C. All these Democratic-run state uh, uh, cities. But then you have all of a sudden now these Democrats are getting religion and saying, oh, wait a second. Here's an article. came out yesterday. Denver mayor declares emergency, says city on the verge of reaching a breaking point amid influx of illegal immigrants. So the city of Denver declared a state of emergency to stave off a local humanitarian crisis amid an influx of illegal aliens. So they used that. Oh, it's the Epic Times. That's why they would use that. The Washington Post would never use that word. 
with those words. They're coming from El Paso, Texas, and they're going to Denver. So Mayor Michael Hancock, Hancock, he's a Democratic uh, mayor of Denver, uh, issued a declaration as several hundred illegal aliens, mostly from Central and South America, have arrived this state in the past few days alone. I mean, we're talking about a couple hundred. I mean, they're talking about 14,000 a day coming into El Paso, Texas next week once Title 42 goes down. And he's worried about a few hundred. He goes, let me be frank. This influx of migrants, again, the, the Democrats use the word migrants in the press. Other people would say illegal aliens. Uh, the, uh, uh, the unanticipated nature of their arrival in our current space and staffing challenges have put an immense strain on our city. Uh, more than 600 people have come since December 2nd. And over the last several months, 900 have come. Well, how many have come into Arizona and Texas over the last two few months? And it's just the beginning. And you're hearing uh, Mayor Adams in New York City crying about it and the mayor of D.C. crying about it. Well, why don't you talk to your boss and say to stop this? But they won't. All right, top of the hour, 732-237-9626 is our call number. After the break, we have hour two of the financial physician. Don't go away. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, time for hour two of this thing of ours, the financial physician, where we get together for two hours of money, markets, politics, and anything that affects your life, and anything I want to discuss with you, or anything you want to discuss with me, Right here at 732-237-9626. Just tuning in now, just getting out of bed, or just discovered us by driving down the parkway and just stumbled upon this show. Uh, Each and every Sunday, we have two hours of um, very unique radio content here. We talk money, markets, politics, things that you don't hear elsewhere. Uh, and uh, you have to get your two-hour dose of the financial physician each and every week. But it's easy to do because you do not have to get up early. To listen to our program, just go to thefinancialphysician.com right after the show, and we have the podcast. Uh, the podcast uh, is just growing every week. I mean, uh, I'm astonished at how many people listen to the show uh, after we air it uh, on the podcast, and it's really growing significantly, and I appreciate that. And uh, just go to thefinancialphysician.com. You'll see a tab up top on the homepage. It says radio show. Uh, click on it, and it'll bring you right to the most current podcast of the program. Now, uh, if you're just getting up, uh, I mentioned uh, in the first hour that the next two weeks is holiday. Um, Next week, uh, Sunday morning is Christmas. Uh, The next Sunday morning is New Year's Day. Uh, So the next two weeks, we're not going to have a a live broadcast here at 92.7 WOBM, but we will be doing podcasts. 
Uh, we'll do a podcast probably the day after Christmas. It'll be up. Uh, it'll be the review of uh, 2022, which was uh, an incredible year, uh, and we're going to compare it to what my forecasts were, and I, uh, I was pretty astonished at how accurate we were um, uh, on what we saw happening in financial markets, inflation, and politics. Uh, so we're going to review that uh, in a podcast the day after Christmas. Uh, the day after New Year's, we're going to have, which is probably the most listened to and most anticipated uh, show we do each year which is uh, um, the the forecast of the coming year. Um, looking into my crystal ball, uh, a friend of mine, Peter Grant, who I've had on, on the show many times, he always said to me, uh, people who use a crystal ball sooner or later wind up eating glass. Uh, and that's true. I mean, we kind of do it tongue-in-cheek because nobody has a crystal ball and nobody can go into the future. But I like to use my forecast show um, – and then compare it a year later and, and see how accurate we were. Now, before finance, financial markets were totally manipulated by the Fed, uh, we were pretty spot on because uh, I did a lot of research for the forecast, a lot of research. Um, and, uh, uh, and and I, I, I follow a lot of smart people, smarter than me. Uh, and then I would distill it all down and come to a conclusion. Uh, and uh, it was amazing how accurate we were for many, many years. And then the Fed started messing around with markets. And started uh, lowering interest rates to zero, doing quantitative easing, buying bonds. And now markets didn't function right. When a market should go down, you take uh, the COVID year of 2020. Uh, It's amazing that in a couple of months, it's going to be three years since the start of the COVID craziness, right? And it's still with us. We'll talk about that a little later on. Uh, But uh, who would think that in the COVID year, the markets would go up like 20%, whatever it was. I don't remember the number. I mean, would you think when you had 68 million people lose their jobs <laughs> that the markets would go up in that year where the whole economy was shut down, the worldwide economy? Of course not. But when the government's printing money and stimulus and all that, uh, that's money's got to find a home, and it did. So it was pretty hard to predict. If you would have told me or if I would have told you uh, in the beginning of 2020 – that we were going to have 68 million people lose their jobs, uh, a million people die of COVID or whatever it is, COVID-related stuff. It wasn't a million, right? It was 100,000 or something. I forget the number. But but CNN, uh, MSNBC, love to have that ticker up top. How many people are dropping dead per day from COVID? Half of it had nothing to do with COVID. But hey, that's another story. Uh, but... Uh, uh, but if who would have, who would have predicted that that that... The markets would have had such a wonderful year if I told you all the stuff that happened in 2020. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. Uh, and then we had the election and uh, all the craziness with that in 2020. Um, but the markets did great. Uh, but I think it's a little bit easier now uh, to predict markets because now the Fed's doing, you know, they're raising interest rates. They're not stimulating the economy, at least not now, uh, through crazy money printing. I, I believe they're going to return to that, by the way, uh, but but we're not seeing that. Uh, so uh, we'll have two podcasts in the, new two, the next two weeks. So go to the website, give us your email address. You could also download a free copy of, of my book. Uh, if you give us your email address, it'll give you a link to get the book for free. Um, but more importantly, you'll be notified uh, whenever we upload a, a new podcast. Or we upload a video, uh, we video the show, and I'm going to, going into the new year, I know I've said it in the past, but I'm really going to be diligent, it's going to be a New Year's resolution of mine, uh, is to do at least a midweek um, video blog 
uh, on what's happening in the world midweek. Uh, it's hard to get in an entire week's worth of news and information uh, in two hours on Sunday morning. So we're probably going to need another hour in the middle of the week uh, to do more uh, in the way of video blogging and stuff on the website. So give us your email address at thefinancialphysician.com. We're not going to bother you. The only time we'll send you something is if we're sending you a new link uh, to something we've just recorded or, or broadcast or video or something like that. That's thefinancialphysician.com. Love your emails. If I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten back to you because uh, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com, I did not have access to that email address for the last nine days, 10 days. Uh, so if you sent me an email over the last week, I was out of the country. Uh, so I haven't even looked at it. So when I go in the office tomorrow, I will try to catch up on all your emails. If you don't see a response from me by Tuesday, just send email again to me and it'll be fresh in my thing. Uh, uh, but I think I, we put up, uh, you know, I'm out of the office until this date. So, um, you know, I couldn't respond anyway. Uh, but uh, I will respond. So if you sent me something and, and you don't hear back from me by Tuesday, uh, send the email to me again. But I do love your emails, Lou, at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, uh, you have a personal finance question, an issue that I could help you with, or a comment on the program, something you want me to cover, uh, anything, uh, send me an email. Just say hi. Love it. Uh, uh, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, dot com. Uh, phone number here is two three seven nine six two six seven three two two three seven nine six two six. Let's go to uh, Pat in Point Pleasant. Pat, how are you today? Happy holidays. Uh, welcome back. Uh, I'm uh, glad you had a good trip. You didn't. You didn't get on one of those cruises that gives you diarrhea, did you? <laughs> Let's put it this way. Uh, uh, without getting too graphic, uh, the more you eat, the more you go. Okay. Uh, uh, the more you eat, the more you go. Uh, and uh, most people who are on cruises will tell you that. You know, there's so much food on a cruise, it's, it's, it's almost obscene. Uh, 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 I gained five pounds in nine days, uh, which I didn't need to gain for sure, uh, especially the week before Christmas. <laughs> I really didn't need to gain five pounds. Uh, but you eat so much food. I mean, it's just so much food included. It's just crazy. But no, I was, my, digestively, I was, I was in good shape pretty much. Good, good. Uh, quick uh, question. Uh, one about you and YouTube. Can you still go on and view videos? Uh, you know, but you can't download and you can't share? No, I, I'm totally banned. I had to open up uh, uh, another account. No. If I send you a link, you can't see it. I can't. No, no, no. My channel, no, now on my channel, uh, which I've had for years. Uh, for 15 years. I mean, on that channel, I had videos of almost every television appearance I did, which was quite a few back in the day when I was promoting the book. I mean, my television appearance on Fox and Friends, MSNBC, CNBC, uh, um, MSNBC, uh, Fox Business, all those videos I had on my YouTube channel. And that's the only place I had them. They're gone. I have no access to it. Uh, personal videos I had from vacations I've taken, uh, uh, videos of my national radio show, uh, all gone. I can't access it. Also, I had 400 subscriptions of people I follow and listen to their videos. I can't get them. I can't enter my. I can't even enter my my channel at all. Now, if you want to ban me, then just ban me where I can't upload anything. 
right? Uh, if you don't like my audio, my videos, I just ban me from uploading them. But you're going to ban me from seeing subscriptions I have or uh, a video uh, 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 of my kids when they're younger? I mean, I'm going to warn everybody out there on social media, don't think that that can't be taken away from you. It's not your property. And that's what's so frustrating yeah. about it. I don't care if I don't post on YouTube anymore. I'm on Rumble now. All, all my videos right. are, are on Rumble now, right, where they don't bother you, right? Uh, but, uh, but YouTube has such power that, you know, I don't have, I only had a few hundred subscribers uh, because I didn't use it a lot for a long time. Uh, so I'm not an influencer uh, on YouTube where I change the world. So what they did is somebody, uh, there's professionals out there that are paid to just look for people uh, and try to shut them down through censorship. And somebody made a complaint to YouTube about a video I put up a year and a half prior in January of 2021 questioning the election results. Now, was I the only one doing that? Of course not, because it was smelled to begin with. Uh, so I was talking about it. So they took down my channel because somebody complained a year and a half later. It wasn't even a contemporary video. And now I'm banned for life. And I don't even have an excuse why. I asked them why, and, you know, I never had a response. So, but just, they just take you down. And now, like I said, I can imagine if I had a million subscribers, I worked that hard. It's, these people get paid a lot of money. You know, the more subscribers you have, you have advertisers, they monetize these channels. And these social media companies could just turn you off like that. Now, thankfully, with Elon Musk taking over Twitter, uh, social media hopefully will become more of a free market uh, and, and more free speech. Uh, will I ever get my channel back from YouTube? I don't know. I hope so, because I, for no other reason that I'd like to get my videos back. Um, no, the, the reason why I, I, I brought this up is just I, I emailed you a clip from, I believe it was Jimmy Dore. And if you could, you know, click on it and open up if you were allowed to watch it. Uh, just on their regular, you, not your channel, just on YouTube in general. No, I've set, but, up, I set up a new channel that I only use uh, for seeing videos, uh, to watch other people's videos. I, I, I watch YouTube more than I watch regular TV. I mean, yeah. I mean, I love YouTube. I mean, it really, it really is good. Uh, I love to cook, so I watch cooking videos. I have a lot of people, chefs that I follow, uh, political guys I follow. Uh, I like, you know, it's all part of this program preparation is to, to listen to smarter people than me. Uh, so, uh, you know, I had to I had to start that from scratch. Now, I have to remember every subscription I have. I have to rebuild that. I'm not posting anything on there. I'm not putting any videos on there. I just want to have a, a access to people I like to watch. Uh, uh and uh, so I had to re recreate that. Uh, but hopefully YouTube, uh, once they see uh, the light and maybe get regulated, uh, uh, maybe we'll, we'll, they'll be able to bring me back online. Like, you know, nobody thought the people that were banned for life in Twitter never thought that they'd see their channel back up with all their tweets and everything else. And, and, and that's what's happening. So uh, hopefully that will happen with me, too. And there's a lot to talk. I mean, this thing with Twitter, uh, what's going on with Elon Musk dropping all these files about collusion between the FBI. I mean, you have government now, government censoring free speech. Now, the argument has been made for a long time that free speech uh, does not apply to private companies. And that was the, the left uh, argument all the time when Trump was banned and conservatives were banned, that 
They're a private company. They can do whatever they want <laughs> until they start banning them. And then they go crazy. They're, they're the biggest hypocrites there are. We'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, okay. But what? But, my, my, but yeah. Sorry. But what I'm saying, just what Elon Musk is releasing here, is now we're seeing it's the U.S. government that's contacting Twitter and having people shut down. That is a violation of the First Amendment. And uh, uh, you have government. You have the FBI. You have the CDC. Influencing Twitter about what can be uh, shared in the marketplace of ideas and, and speech. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, some of the headlines here, I was, I was a saver for later, but you know, a Twitter file six, Twitter file six shows deep state went deeper than just FBI Twitter collusion. Social media coordination between the DOJ and the FBI is not limited to Twitter, says David Nunez. Uh, documents uncover secret Twitter portal the U.S. government used to censor COVID-19 content. Uh, I mean, this is craziness that the government has the ability through their proxy, which is social media, to shut down speech. <clears throat> I mean, this is a big deal. Now, Elon Musk, he's teasing everybody because he's got a lot worse stuff that's going to come out. He's dripping it, you know, and he's leaking it out to, to journalists who then expose it. Uh, but he's playing with everybody right now. He's playing cat and mouse game with everybody. Um, and of course, he's now public enemy number one. Why? Not because he's censoring anybody, but because he's uncensoring people. You know, like yeah. free speech is, is is the worst thing you possibly can have in America because free speech is hate speech. Uh, and you got to know that, uh, uh, you know, it, it's just such a hypocritical thing. These 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 Democrats, uh, you know, hypocrisy is just something that I, I really, I really can't stand. You know, if you stand for something, that's one thing. Uh, but just uh, you got to be consistent with it. Um, you know, the way they use words and they twist things around, you know, right wing protest is violence. Right. If, you, if you're a, a conservative and you're at a protest, that's violence. But if it's left-wing protest, like Black Lives Matter and Antifa, well, that is protest. Left-wing violence is protest. You see the cities burning down and, you know, nothing to see here. Just pe mostly peaceful protests going on here. Uh, Right-wing speech is hate. But left-wing hate is speech. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just uh, hypocritical. Uh, yeah. Well, my next question was just a, a quick one. Like, the, the digital currency is going to happen, okay? There's pretty much no way around that. Uh, what do we do? With, what, what happens to our money in the bank, our cash? It's converted to digital form. Uh, what will happen is, and this I, I believe will happen in 2023, is what will happen is they're going to say, um, by this date, cash no longer has function. So, and uh, all your money in bank accounts, which are already is digitized. Once you put that money in the bank, it is gone. It is no longer cash. It's digitized. It's loaned out 10 times. They don't even have it. Uh, but anyway, uh, but if they convert it to a Federal Reserve digital currency, uh, you have 100,000 in a bank and you have 100,000 digits of the Federal Reserve to digital currency. And if you have cash in a, a safe in your house or in a shoebox under your bed, uh, that will be worthless. So now you're going to have to deposit that into the system. 
uh, and now it will be digitized and controlled by the Fed and programmable, which means that every person who has an account with the Fed, uh, they'll be able to see everything you purchase, every cause you donate to, every political leaning you have uh, because you make a donation to an organization, uh, your eating habits, your drinking habits, uh, 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 your carbon footprint, how much you spend on energy, uh, uh, and all they're going to make a digital score, a social credit score like they do in China. And people don't think this can happen here. Well, I didn't think it happened in China either. Uh, uh, but it's going to happen here too. And then what they could do, and this is really where the where the danger lies, is they can control your behavior by your money. Just realize, whoever controls your money controls you, right? If your money, if your digital account is only going to work, you can't spend more than $70 uh, a month uh, on liquor or cigarettes or in a casino, uh, then it shuts off. Or if uh, you donate to a conservative cause... Uh, they'll reject that donation. Or if you talk about things that you're not supposed to talk about, uh, they'll just take your money and shut your account down. You you see where this could lead? Uh, Control, surveillance, totalitarianism. Uh, And and, and Canadians got a taste of that. You remember the trucker uh, protest where anybody who donated to them or anything had their bank accounts frozen and seized in Canada? This wasn't China. This was Canada. You know, you got to watch, watch Canada and watch Australia. They're they're the test beds for what's happening yeah. here. You know, right? everything you see, whether it's vaccine mandates, passports, tyranny, um, uh, gun control, like we're seeing in Canada. You can't buy guns now in Canada. I mean, it all happens there first, and then it comes to America. Uh, these are the smaller test beds where they do this. Uh, but the fact is, this is happening. I mean, and, and Amer- most Americans say, you know, what's the difference? I have an ATM card now. Is that different than Federal Reserve card? Yes, it is. It's a big deal difference. Because right now, the only one who could see your spending habits is your bank. But they don't see all your spending habits because you can take cash out of your safe or your shoebox or under your bed in your mattress and go out and buy something and make a transaction with an individual without anybody knowing. And that's what totalitarian governments hate. They want to see and control everything that you do because they can't punish you for doing something if they don't know about it. So a combination of snitches. Uh, and also uh, complete surveillance of your financial life, uh, your Internet life. Uh, look, you know, how many years we've known that the NSA is collecting all data, every keystroke you do on a computer, every website you go to, every phone call you make, every text you send is recorded by the NSA. Uh, now the Federal Reserve, which is going to be the deep state, uh, will know everything you spend your money on and then be able to control you and punish you based on your speech. And look, here's an example of it. Uh, PayPal. Now, remember PayPal? They're going to find you $2,500 for misinformation or disinformation that you use. Because they're linked to your bank account or your credit card, they'll just take it. Well, I got rid of my PayPal just because of that. I closed out my... I never used it, but I just didn't want to get... How hard? How hard was it? How hard? How hard was it to do that? Uh, I, I tried to do it, and I started getting stymied. So I said, "Oh, they're going to make it difficult to do this." Was it that hard? It really wasn't. No. I also did think about the about my data. 
to 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 stop sharing my day. And trust me, I I don't have the 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 uh, skills to. I hate the pointing and clicking on everything. And it was pretty. It really was pretty easy. And uh, just I, I can't go through the steps right now. But no, that's uh, right. Uh, if it look, you're college educated. You should be able to get right through this. I'm a dumb auto body guy. Uh, <laughs> All right, so I, I was I did it because I just got tired of like I had this thing for twenty years and I never used it. So I figured after I heard about the you're getting fined twenty five hundred dollars and I'm again kicked off of Facebook for another two weeks out of thirty days. Uh, I don't want anything like this to go back to PayPal and then also PayPal nails me for twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. I don't use it. I do. I'll use Vemo because Vemo is going to start doing the same thing. I don't use any of these things. It's right now. I have a small side business where I pick up dog do. Uh, it's cash. Uh, this 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 whole uh, currency thing is going to affect that. I'll have to shut it down. You well, know, it's it's all about I, I control. Want, I, I don't want the state involved. I don't want to. Fill out forms, a tax ID, all that other crap for uh, for a, a couple of bucks a week. You know what I'm saying? All right, Pat, I got to run and move on, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's a smart thing to do. Another thing that's ha- helpful is a VPN, a VPN, a virtual network where nobody knows that, that. where you're surfing yeah. and everything else because your IP address changes. So I think that's something as we enter more to a, a surveillance society that we live in. Uh, that you know, you could be blackmailed, right? Somebody could say, "Look, you go to this website, um, uh, and this website is uh, uh, a porno website or uh, some radical political website," and and they could blackmail you with that. Don't you think that everybody, every Republican, and not every Republican, every every congressman and senator has been blackmailed in some way or form? You know, it, it's very well known that when you're a new congressman or a senator, you know, you go to Washington. Now, you go to a party, you're drugged, and all of a sudden there's a video and picture of you with an underage girl. Uh, and that's held over your your head the rest of your career. So when we tell you to vote a certain way, you better vote that way. Uh, so who's to say they can't do the same thing to the populace, right? Uh, China does it all the time. Um, so anyway, right, thanks for the call, Pat. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thanks for calling. You too. All right, 732-237-9626. Let's talk about... All right, let's talk about the hypocrisy, as I said before. You know, you saw all the left in this country, uh, the left-wing media, which is all of it, basically, uh, were totally for conservatives being uh, blocked on Twitter. They had no problem with it whatsoever, including the president of the United States. It was fine with them, right? Well, this week, Elon Musk uh, blocked three, I think it was three or four journalists on Thursday night. And he said he blocked their, 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 their Twitter feed because they were doxing him. You know, the word doxing means to give out your uh, whereabouts, your address or something. Remember they did that to the Supreme Court justices, the left in this country? They gave you their addresses so you could show up and protest, which, by the way, was illegal, and the Department of Justice did nothing. Uh, anyway, uh, but uh, these these journalists were tweeting out or retweeting uh, Elon Musk's private jet positioning where he is. You know, this is kind of public information, but by by blasting it over social media everywhere, you're spreading it out uh, to the masses. 
And apparently, at one point, uh, the car that had his young child in it was attacked uh, uh, um, uh, by somebody or something because they knew where he was. So he blocked them. And the left in this country went nuts. How dare he block journalists? But meanwhile, do you remember that the New York Post was blocked? Not just some journalist from NBC News, the entire newspaper, the oldest newspaper in the world, because they broke the Hunter Biden laptop story right before the election, and they didn't want you to know it. <clears throat> and all the left in this country and the left-wing media, they were fine with it. They were fine with it because, um, hey, you know, uh, this is misinformation. It's Russian propaganda. We can't have this out there just before the election. So anyway, uh, the left in this country just went nuts because now it's happening to them, right? They, they, you know, it's fine when it's happening uh, to the to the conservatives. When it happens to them, oh no, this is Twitter. Uh, this is terrible. And so CNN had a little roundtable with uh, I think a couple of these journalists were um, were the ones that were were blocked at least temporarily. And, and listen to just the hypocrisy of all this. Peace. He was touting, I mean, freedom of speech as this beacon. I mean, Twitter would be a beacon of that until it comes to anybody saying something about something he doesn't like. There's a word for that. Is it, it called democracy? It might be called hypocrisy. Yeah. Look, first of all, you- all right. So they're saying that Elon Musk is a hypocrite, right? Uh, because now he was not la- allowing everything on Twitter, including like putting his children in danger and himself in danger by having his whereabouts known at every minute. We know there's so many crazies out there. Uh, how many people hate Elon Musk right now, right, that would want him dead? Uh, he's got to be very careful. Uh, so he blocks people who are telling the world where he is uh, to protect his family. Uh, and that's hypocritical, all right? With a hypocrisy, really, you, you know, you talk about projection. The hypocrisy is they love it when 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 conservatives are banned, but not, not liberals. Elon Musk's understanding of freedom of speech has always been somewhat limited. There's no constitutional freedom of speech for a private company. Never has been. As far as I know, there never will be. So his criticisms of Twitter from before were off base. It's his company. I mean, he can ban Dhoni if he wants to. Uh, it's just wildly hypocritical. Um, Oliver, what is CNN going to do about this? Well, I think this raises a big question about what the free press, what the future of the free press on Twitter looks like. You know, are news organizations going to stand by as the reporters are just, you know, hastily banned without explanation? Uh, CNN is saying it's going to reevaluate its relationship with Twitter based on the response it gets. I want to read you the full statement, Allison. It says, um, the impulsive and unjustified suspension of a number of reporters, including CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan, is concerning but not surprising. And it goes on to say Twitter's increasing instability and volatility should should be of incredible concern for everyone who uses Twitter. And then it goes on to say, we've asked Twitter for an explanation and we will reevaluate our relationship based on that response. And I think it's so important to point out that Twitter really needs or really relies on news. I mean, that's what's what, the, kind of the lifeblood of and Twitter. Journalists. For events. I mean, they're all right. on Twitter. And so if you see news organizations start to pull their reporters, pull their brand accounts, pull their content off of Twitter, you know, that's going to be a real blow to the platform. No, it's not because they're not going to do it. They've got so much invested in Twitter now that they can't do that. But you want to talk about hypocrisy. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, They had no problem with censorship for years. 
of conservatives, including the president of the United States. And I just played you CNN. I mean, it was across all media, Twitter. People were on there crying that this is terrible. How can they do this to journalists? What about free speech? How about Stephen King? He came around, right? He was so happy when uh, uh, people on the conservative side were banned. He went on to say uh, in the past, he said, free speech does not include the right to yell fire in a crowded theater. That is what Donald Trump was doing and why he has been rightfully banned. Right? But now he's saying that um, journalists have their Twitter accounts suspended. It better be for a good explanation. <laughs> These people are so transparent. Uh, all of a sudden they care about free speech. Sure. Uh, but uh, Elon Musk is doing something quite amazing. And. He's got to be stopped some way. I don't see how the deep state allows him to go on with this. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen to him, but uh, um, he may have signed his death warrant uh, buying um, buying Twitter. Another thing, too, I keep thinking is he buys his company for, what, $42 billion, whatever it was. And now he's telling the world of all its illegal things that it's done and uh, and reinstating people that were wrongfully destroyed by uh, uh, the liberal woke uh, management of Twitter. Isn't he opening up his own company for lawsuits? Right? Think about it. He's, he's destroying his own brand and saying that we're, we're, we're crooks here. And we collude with the federal government. Pretty amazing. But it's just, uh, it's just the hypocrisy that's just, just off the tubes. Off the, uh, off the rails here. Let's take a break. 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name's Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Although customers were already going online more and more over the past five years, the amount of people doing business online has skyrocketed since the pandemic hit. Visit mylocalcustomers.com. Hi, Sean Michaels to tell you if you're a business owner here at the Jersey Shore, Town Square can help you find local customers online. Town Square can help you grow your business faster. Premium website services, new leads every day, no contracts, subscriptions you can cancel anytime. Visit mylocalcustomers.com. That's mylocalcustomers.com. For details. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income, that could be limitless. Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. 
I'm Lou Scatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9, for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Service to afford Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, just a reminder of the website, thefinancialphysician.com, where we have the podcast of this entire program up right after the show is over. So if you're just getting up now, you're just coming out of church, or you just stumbled upon the program and you want to listen to the entire program each and every week right after the show is up, we have the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Just go to the radio tab and click on the most recent show. We also have past shows there as well. So you uh, do not need to miss a minute uh, of The Financial Physician, where we talk money markets and politics for two precious hours each and every week. And as I said, we're going to be expanding the podcast uh, to do midweek uh, podcasts as well. So uh, certainly join us at thefinancialphysician.com. Give us your email address. Become part of our um, our family, and we'll let you know whenever there's an update on a, a podcast or a video blog or something like that, because we're going to be using um, the website a lot more as we enter the new year. Programming note, uh, if you're just joining us, next week is Christmas morning. Uh, we will not be having a broadcast on Christmas Day, nor would I be having a broadcast on New Year's Day. So I'm looking forward to uh, enjoying the holidays and having a break from radio show prep and broadcasting for the next two weeks. But we will be having a podcast both weeks. The day after the holiday is what I'm shooting for. So uh, the day after Christmas, we're going to have our year-end review of uh, everything that happened in 2022, uh, economically, financially, markets, politically, geopolitically, lots to talk about uh, in our 2022 review uh, also, uh, the day after New Year's, I'm going to have my uh, 2023 forecast, always a, a much anticipated uh, show where I will give you my predictions on everything that's going to happen uh, in markets, uh, in, in the economy, interest rates, uh, um, culturally, socially, and everything else. So uh, we will be having the podcast, but we will not have a live broadcast the last uh, two weeks of the year as they jump um, as they fall on holidays. Uh, so the next live broadcast we're going to have is January eighth. Um, so just still tune in. Uh, it's still going to be a good program. It's just not going to be broadcast live here on ninety two point seven uh, WOBM. Now I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, Paul. Did you remember I was talking to you about three uh, D printed stakes? That they, yes. They're now printing stakes. Um, and, and that may be a good thing because, as I mentioned earlier in the program, in hour one, um, you know, meat's getting so expensive that none of us are going to be able to afford it. So maybe with this uh, fake meat that they're they're creating uh, is uh, is going to be good. And, and I saw the video of it. It's disgusting looking uh, how they're doing it. Uh, but um, but they're doing it. And uh 
if you remember, let's flash you back. Paul, you're my age or so. Uh, do you remember this woman? Where's the beat? Wendy's. Where's the beat? <laughs> That's what I say. Where's the beef? Well, it's being 3D printed, but it's not beef coming along. Uh, Clara Pella was her name, if you remember. Clara Pella. Uh, <clears throat> she did the Where the Beef commercials for um, <clears throat> Wendy's for a couple of years. She was on Johnny Carson. She was, she was such a, like, a big star at the time. Where's the beef? Well, I say if you're going to print a 3D print a fake steak made out of vegetables... I want to know uh, where the beef is. Uh, let's touch on, um, as we're in the home stretch here, let's touch on this FTX scandal. I haven't talked a lot about it. Uh, I mentioned it because I didn't fully understand it. Uh, but this guy, Sam Bankman Freed, never heard his name before until a few weeks ago when uh, his company collapsed. Uh, and apparently, what he had is he had a, a, a cryptocurrency exchanged, you know, with where people would buy his coin, which was FTT or something like that. Uh, and he would hold it for them. And I'm not an expert at this stuff, but this is what I gleaned from it. Uh, and then what he would do, is he took the money and transferred it to a hedge fund that was operated by his girlfriend. And he took billions of dollars of the money that was supposed to be people's coins and virtually embezzled it into a hedge fund that was losing money to make up losses. Uh, and then the whole thing collapsed, and in about $10 billion or whatever, we still don't know what the number is, just disappeared. And now this guy is in a, a Bahamian prison or jail, supposedly, that's full of rats and all kinds of stuff. And uh, uh, Oh, by the way, uh, he, he didn't want to be extradited. Now he does. Uh, after four days in this prison, uh, he was like, I, I think a prison in the United States is probably a better way for me to go, especially if I'm going to spend the rest of my life there. Uh, and basically, it was purely the, the biggest fraud of all time. And, uh, 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 and apparently what he did is, you know, we, we, we've given $100 billion to Ukraine. And uh, apparently Ukraine couldn't spend that money on the war, or at least some of it. So they, they, they deposited it uh, in the FTX exchange. And then what would happen is this uh, Sam Bankman Freed would give, gave 40, they say $40 million to Democrats. I think we're going to find out it was billions. It was more than that to affect the election. He's the second largest donor to Democrats besides George Soros. Um, a guy who should spend eternity in the worst part of hell, uh, if you ask me, but neither here nor there. So he gave all this money to politicians. Now people are saying, wait a second, right? You got this money for your election, but it was ill-gotten money. It was stolen money. Are you going to give it back? Well, some congressmen and stuff, you just say, well, I'm going to give it to uh, charity, right? Uh, And... Well, my point is that why not give it back to the company so people who had the money stolen can get it back? Uh, let the bankruptcy group don't give it away to a charity. Give it away to people who stole. Anyway, so um, the president, obviously his campaign, uh, President Biden, got a lot of money. We don't know how much yet uh, from him. And uh, Pierre, whatever her name is, uh, the spokesperson who... Uh, isn't a very good one, um, was asked, you know, is, is Biden going to return the money? Well, she goes on to say that, well, I can't really speak to that. 
So look, I'm covered here by the Hatch Act, uh, limited on what I can say, and anything that's connected to political contributions uh, from here, I, I, I would have to refer you to the DNC. I'm not You asked me about will he return the donations, and then you asked me about his opinion. I'm answering the first part, which is I'm covered by the Hatch Act from here. I'm limited to what I can say, and I just can't talk to political contributions or anything related to that. I cannot speak about it from here. All right, so she's not going to say. It's a yes or no answer. Are you going to give the money back, yes or no? Oh, I can't talk about it because of the Hatch Act. We can't talk about Paul. This is an election that already happened. This is not an election that's going on right now. So it's disingenuous to say that. But of course, why not just say yes, we're going to give it back? Because it's probably $500 million that they don't have to give back because it's been spent. Now, Kevin O'Leary, anybody who watches Shark Tank knows who Kevin O'Leary is, Mr. Wonderful. And uh, very rich guy. Apparently, he was on Capitol Hill last week uh, and he gave testimony to the committee about this thing because he was involved in it. You know, he's one of those celebrities that endorsed FTX. Now, you heard about Tom Brady and his wife, uh, Giselle. They were invested in it. But these people weren't invested in it. They were paid promoters of it. So O'Leary's on Capitol Hill, and they're asking him all kinds of questions. And he, he's really good on his feet. He's, you know, he's, he's Mr. Wonderful, you know. And he says that he was harmed, that, that, that he lost a lot of money, millions of dollars. But... He's asked, well, did you lose the money they gave you because they gave it to you in crypto? Or did you lose your own money? Well, apparently uh, it was the money they gave him, but, but, but he's, he's a victim. But interesting to hear what he had to say about the situation. At its helm. So the money that you lost, was it, in a, was it all just the money that you were compensated for being a spokesperson for FTX? The 9.7, that was money they gave you and then you lost. Did you lose any did you lose any money of your own before of you were com- how much they, before you were compensated? Well, listen. At the end of the day, I look at the compensation as a source of income. No, 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 I know. But but did you? Are you net down from your own net worth, or did you got the fifteen yes, million and you lost nine of the fifteen yes, million? I down. I paid millions in taxes, and I may hopefully can recoup those. I paid millions of okay. to agents. Are you kidding? Right. This has not been a great experience. But losing fifteen million, it, it, he gave you to be the spokesperson is a little bit different than you know a lot of people. Andrew, if you're asking, did I do enough due diligence? The answer is no. Did I rely like others did in Joe's concept of groupthink? Yes, we all did that. Did you ask, though, about the relationship between Alameda and FTX? At that time, at that time, Alameda was just another account in FTX, okay? By the way, not just another account. At some point, it might have represented close to 50% of the business that was even on FTX. And there is where I call you up and say, how do you know that if you have no records? And my whole point about this is all of these allegations, all these claims, all of this sandbag and fruit took money out, took it in, whatever. Nobody knows because there's no data. That data, as I learned, right. according to Sam, is sitting on a server backed up on AWS. I listened to the interview that Andrew did with him so did in book, and I thought, that guy's a crook and a liar. You listened to it and said you'd invest money with him again if it turns out there's nothing criminally wrong here. So what did you hear that, that I had The context hear? of that is I have been known for decades to invest in entrepreneurs have had catastrophic outcomes, bad ones, because they learn a lot from their mistakes. It may not fit for Sam Bank and Free because we don't know the outcome, what's going to occur. Yeah, but I, all I 
can say is everything he said, oh, I just didn't realize. You didn't realize there was an $8 billion hole. You didn't realize that there was like these clients' funds that were being swapped over there. It's not his fault. Like that, that to me is like, man, that guy is bad news. That's not just you had bad luck. He was lying and manipulating. You don't know because you have no data. All right, so he's covered. He's covering his butt because he's being sued too. Uh, that's the reason why. I mean, he's being sued. So is Tom Brady and all these because hey, these guys promoted this thing and people lost a lot of money. Some people lost all their money on this fraud that they're part of. And of course, you're going to go after deep pockets. So Kevin O'Leary, he's playing it cool. Uh, that he didn't know uh, how much, and you know, who knows? We don't know everything yet. Uh, it was the biggest fraud ever, and he was part of it. And he's feeling bad that he lost part of the fifteen million he was paid because once he gets it, it's income. You see, <laughs> so once it's mine, I, I lost my own money. You know, the minute he gives it to me, it's my money. We're going to hear more and more about this, especially the part of the Ukrainian money kickbacking uh, through him to politicians. I mean, this is really bad stuff. I mean. But uh, I guess we have to get used to the bad stuff because that's all we hear these days. Corruption uh, at every level in every industry. It's horrible. Uh, let's go to Bob in Point Pleasant. Bob, how are you? Uh, hi, Lou. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, Lou, I have a question with regard to your 1099K form. Yeah. I know you spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my son and I purchased, uh, we had season tickets for many years with the football giants. And uh, we, uh, I put my, my ticket name under my son's name. And he just received a, uh, a notice indicating that uh, after we sold a couple of uh, specific games, uh, that he would get a 1099K form at the end of the year if the sales exceeded $600. Uh, me personally, I think it's absurd because to me it's not a business, it's a hobby. But uh, anyway, you alluded to the fact that uh, once you get the 1099K form, you have to put it on Schedule C. Mm-hmm. I thought initially, my initial reaction was, okay, I'll put it as a stock on, on Schedule D. No, uh, no, 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 this is this is ordinary income. This is not capital gain. Uh, look, you, you don't see this is going to be a big problem tax season wise, because a lot of people, millions and millions of people, they use venue or any of these any of these pay PayPal and things like that. Uh, that sell things on eBay and stuff like that are going to get this 1099 K, which tells the government that you received X number of dollars of income. Uh, from uh, transactions. Now, you have to then prove to the government that these transactions were either for profit and, in in essence, income to you, at which point you would pay taxes. Not only pay income taxes, you'll pay self-employment taxes like Social Security and Medicare uh, uh, on those profits. Now, a lot of people say, wait, I do these transactions. You know, I'm I'm sending money as a gift to a friend of mine or uh, my aunt sent me a thousand dollars for my birthday. You know, you have to now justify this on your tax return. And if you don't deal with it, one of these 87,000 new auditors is going to come after you. Uh, so it's going to be a very complicated situation for people that don't know what this thing is. What is this 1099K? And a lot of people are not going to act on it uh, and therefore are going to have major IRS complications down the line. So, And also, you're going to have a lot of people that never needed an accountant. They're now going to have to hire an accountant because they don't know how to do Schedule C. Uh, and Schedule C, on Schedule C, what you're going to say is, okay, I got this X number of dollars in income, but I also had expenses. Like, like say you bought, right. say you bought. Um, well, just the cost of the ticket, Lou. Yeah, That's right, right. So, so the cost of it. Say no. you bought, you, you you bought the ticket for a hundred dollars and you sold it for a hundred and thirty. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. the hundred and thirty isn't profit to you. 
only right. the thirty dollars mm-hmm. is. So you have to on Schedule A say supplies uh, or, or or materials a uh, hundred dollars, right. and then justify mm-hmm. what the net profit is. Then you'll pay tax on it, and you'll pay pro- um, Social Security and Medicare on it. All right, but this is a you know this is this is accounting, this is bookkeeping, this is something that that makes you a bona fide business, or you have to justify the fact that this was a gift, uh, this was a hobby, this wasn't a, a money making venture. And it's going to be very difficult for Americans to do that and do that right. I think it's going to be a nightmare. Um, <coughs> I hope clients don't come to me with these 1099Ks because <laughs> I don't have the time to. Yeah, just two uh, points. Um, since I put the uh, the tickets on my son's name, I said, well, maybe to reduce the uh, the profit for him. But he, he's going to get the 1099K form. He could issue me a 1099K form and split the profit or split the revenues. Theoretically, he you could. Uh, theoretically, yeah. he could. I don't know if it's worth it or not. But here's my other bigger question. We paid $10,000 for this ticket, for this PSL, which is absurd in itself. You right. know. Yeah. Uh, so if it's a business, I'm going to say, well, the, once I sell this, and it's going to be a, a loss. But I paid $10,000. Uh, it's probably worth $3,000. Now, I'm going to take a $7,000 loss, uh, and I take that on Schedule C? Uh, what do you think? That that's a complicated one because it could be. Uh, is that PSL considered uh, an asset, a capital asset? If I considered it a capital asset, I would take it on Schedule D. Yeah, I would take it on Schedule D. I would say yeah. I paid mm-hmm. a PSL as a capital asset. I paid ten grand for it. Right. Uh, I sold it. Now you have to sell it, just like a stock. It can't go down on you right. when you no, take a loss. Yep. So you sell mm-hmm. it at three thousand. You have a seven thousand dollar capital loss that could offset capital gains, or day. or you yeah. or you take three thousand a year deduction to eat it up. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. But the fact is, is anybody who's going to get this ten ninety nine k? Do not ignore it. That's the most important mm-hmm. thing. Go to an accountant right. uh, or do a Schedule C, uh, write off expenses against it, get that profit down. It may turn out mm-hmm. there's no profit at all. And if you quantify right. that on yeah. Schedule C, uh, you're fine, mm-hmm. unless the IRS decides yeah. to audit you. But uh, uh, but the fact <laughs> is, you're guaranteed to get audited if you di- if you just disregard it. If you ignore it. Right? Yeah, if you if say, you oh, I've never gotten this before, so I'm not going to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. you have to ignore it, which means in most cases, you'll have to employ an accountant uh, because that account it's going to be worth their, their weight in gold because if you don't do it right, you're going to pay more right. taxes than you need to, or you're going to get audited. So uh, people mm-hmm. like me uh, are going to benefit by it by getting a bunch of new clients who right. would not have to pay for an accountant down the line. You know, so right. uh, so anyway, that's okay. the situation. That's right. Yeah, Lou. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Very happy holiday to you and the family. And I love your show. I listen to you every Sunday. All right, Bob. On a podcast. <laughs> Pre- appreciate it. Uh, happy holidays to to everybody as well. And uh, you know, just a programming note. Uh, just to mention, the next two weeks uh, we'll just have a podcast. We will not have a live bro- uh, live broadcast. Uh, the podcast is not going to be two hours long. Uh, it's not going to have any breaks. Uh, it's going to be as long as it needs to be. Uh, next week, the day after Christmas, is my, my I'm shooting for. We'll have the 2022 review of everything that happened this year, uh, financially, politically, geopolitically. Uh, and then uh, the most anticipated show of the year, which will be the day after New Year's Day, we'll have the podcast of my forecast uh, for 2023. And as I'm putting it together now, it is... Um, is a pretty dire forecast, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to look for things that are optimistic uh, that I can report on this in 2023. Unfortunately, uh, it's a lot of negative stuff. Uh, so keep that uh, suicide prevention hotline number of 988 available for those two podcasts. Uh, and we uh, we plan on being live back here uh, January 8th, 
the week, uh, the Sunday after uh, the week after New Year's. Um, but it's unusual. It's once every seven years that the holiday falls on a Sunday morning and that's the one Sundays that we do not broadcast is Christmas and New Year's. But we will have the podcast. We have that available now uh, at thefinancialphysician.com. And if you missed any of today's program, no worries. Just go to thefinancialphysician.com right after the show's over, and we'll have the podcast of this entire program. And you can listen to it at your leisure. Share the f- podcast with friends and families, people you think can benefit by it. Put it on some social media sites uh, that you're involved in, and let's uh, share the information that we bring to you each and every Sunday here on The Financial Physician. Love your emails. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. You want to make a no-obligation financial appointment with me? 732-905-8100 is my call number. Have a Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful New Year. Enjoy me next Sunday and every Sunday for the next edition of The Financial Physician.